I've given my message this morning a title, which I don't normally do. But this morning I've given my message a title, and the title is Making the Cut. Making the Cut. Do you ever wonder, have you ever wondered if you'd make the cut, if there was one? When it comes down to it, are you actually good enough to make the cut? What happens if you don't make the cut? Should you even be trying to make the cut? Probably help if I define what the cut is, but no, I'm not doing that. It'd be too easy. Should you even be trying to make the cut? How important is the cut anyway? Are you even qualified to make the cut? Can I answer the question for you? No, you're not qualified to make the cut. No, you wouldn't make the cut. No, don't even try to make the cut. Making the cut is actually God's job. It's God's job. Our job, according to Scripture, is to abide, is to remain, is to be obedient. God makes the cut. He makes the cut, and I'll explain that in just a moment to you. Let's pray. Father, this morning I pray that my words are just words, I know, but that this would be a place of revelation, that something would shift in our minds and in our hearts that would make you bigger, that would cause us to love you more. And Father, that when we leave this place, uh, the thing that we would remember would be the presence of Holy Spirit in this place. The thing that we'd leave with would be that we'd have that incredible sense and desire to know you more, to walk with you closer. And so Holy Spirit, uh, we commit this time to you. This is your time, this is your space that we do our best to cooperate with you. I declare your blessing on your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me do a very quick recap, just to see I've been away for a long time, just to bring you up to speed of where I'm at. There's three things I'm praying for, amongst other things, for us as a church this year around the whole thing of belonging. They are this. This is what I'm believing God for. Number one, a deep, life-giving intimacy with Jesus for every one of us. That's what I'm believing for. I do not want to be part of a, uh, a group of people who are just going through the motions for the motion's sake. That's called religion. And we're not religious. We're people of faith. And our journey is marked with, by relationship with him. And so my prayer this year around the center, around belonging, is that we would know a deep life-giving intimacy with Jesus. He wouldn't be a word on a wall or on a screen or in a book, but there would be a deep connection with you and him. That you would be able to say, that I would be able to say, I know him. I know him. Secondly, I'm praying that, uh, for an increased sense of love and belonging with one another. In other words, I'm praying that we, our sense of belonging together grows. And I'm praying that our sense of belonging for whoever comes and joins us grows. That we are family. You are my brothers and my sisters in Christ. You do not hear that very often anymore. But it is the truth. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And my desire and my prayer is that we grow as a family, that we journey as a family, we encounter God as a family as well. The third thing that I'm believing for is that we all embrace grace that extends beyond ourselves, enabling all people that we come into contact with to find a sense of true belonging. In other words, 
the love, the kindness, the mercy and the grace of God is not for a favoured few. It's not just for a favoured few. It's for everybody. Everybody. And you and I are in different places each week. We live in different environments, same city here, but different environments. And wherever we are, we've got the opportunity to leak something of the goodness, the kindness, the grace, the mercy of God in any environment. And the people that you're rubbing shoulders with need that. The people I'm rubbing shoulders with need that. How do I say I say it wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. But that's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm praying. And of course, my scripture is John 15. And we're doing exceedingly well so far. We're just about to go June and we're in verse 1. So if you've got your Bibles and would like to turn there, I think it's only fair that I read the passage to you again just to remind us where we're at. John chapter 15 from verse 1. Have you found it? In your Bible, on your device, however you get there, just get there. Here we go. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as, I obey in my fa- just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. If you remember the context of the passage, these are some of Jesus' final words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. So we're wise if we look at these words seriously and go, what is he saying? If I'm about to go somewhere for a length of time and I'm going to leave my sons at home or something, I've got a list of instructions to give them. And hopefully 
they listen. Hopefully, they listen. Most likely, they're going to be important if they're some of the last things that I say. This is this passage here. And really, it's all about being connected. It's all about our sense of belonging. Really quick highlight. Verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. I am. Jesus' words. He introduces himself. I am. I am. If you remember in Exodus, God introduced himself to Moses. I am who I am. I am who I am. In other words, Jesus here is saying, I am. It's a declaration of who he is. He is God. In other words, I'm about to say something. Best you listen to me now. Moving on. I'm not going to unpack it. They're on the website if you want to hear it. He goes, I am the true grapevine. The true grapevine. Israel was regarded as a bit of a grapevine, but, but Jesus, and for the promises of God, but Jesus says, I am the true grapevine. In other words, true growth and true life is going to come through me, and it's going to come through me alone. That's what he's saying. And uh, so our connection to him becomes vital, doesn't it? It becomes a very, very important factor. That's why through the passage he's saying, remain in me or abide in me, depending what translation you, you use. Then thirdly, it goes on and says, my father is the owner, the gardener. In other words, my father is the one who is immediately or intimately involved with the garden. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. It's the father that nurtures and this is great because if you remember, I think Shane touched on it last Sunday, uh, Matthew 6, 9, the Lord's Prayer, the way it starts, our Father who is in heaven is not a good translation. Better the translation, our, our Father who is as close as the air that I breathe. And there's this great sense with my Father is the gardener of his intimate connection with us and the branches and what's happening in the vineyard. The gardener is passionate about what his vineyard is like. He's at work on it. He isn't distant going, I hope it works out. He's actually really close and he's involved. Today, verse 2. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Yay! This verse gives us some problems. The first problem is the English rendering or translation of the verse is not helpful. That's the first problem it gives us. And the second is, because it's not helpful, what it does, it tends to push us toward an Old Testament picture of God, which isn't in context, though, either. And so it just paints a picture that's not particularly pretty. It paints a picture of an angry God. It paints a picture of a God who's kind of frustrated and, and he's, he's into this thing and he's going to deal with it and, and whatever, but it's not necessarily the case. Here's the challenge I have is when I read something like that, my natural inclination, and I think it's like this for po most people, is we read down instead of reading up. My father, or oh, what's it say? The prune. He says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now, when you read that, I don't know what's in your head, probably something a bit savage. He cuts off every branch. But so you can read down or you could read up to the positives. But often we don't read up to the positives, we read down to the negatives. If you take that into consideration with the way many people read the Old Testament, 
out of context, the picture is not particularly helpful. Let's, let's read it like that. So we jump into Isaiah, out of context, but it's talking about God. Isaiah 26, 21. Look, the Lord is coming from heaven to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will no longer hide those who have been killed. They will be brought out for all to see. Now, that's not in context, but it paints a picture that most of you are thinking anyway. Isaiah 13, 11, I, the Lord, will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their sin. I will crush the arrogance of the proud and humble the pride of the mighty. What's your picture of God looking like? And then out of that sort of out of context picture and understanding of an Old Testament God, we jump into John. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Sheesh. What's the picture in your head? I'll show you the picture in my head. This is the picture that's going on for me. It's like I'm in the vineyard and the father walks in. I'll slash him down. I'll crush him. I'll cut him. I'll do whatever I've got to do because this guy's not been very helpful. Thank you to Husqvarna, Action Equipment. There are um, there are field field day uh, specials on at the moment. It's not helpful. It is not helpful. But that is the way many people see God. It's just not helpful at all. Oh, that stinks, doesn't it? It's a poor representation of the character of God because look at this, John, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God is love. What about 1 John 4, 16? We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. God is love. God is love. God is love. God is love. We've got to read it in context. We've got to read the Scriptures as they're written. Psalm 103, verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love. Love. I like the Passion Translation. I think it says it the best out of all the English ones. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. I love that. Here's a picture of the gardener. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield its greatest harvest. The picture is of a loving, caring, thorough viticulturalist who loves his vineyard, who loves every branch, who cares for every branch, who props down and picks up every branch 
who wants to see every branch be fruitful. What is fruitful? We'll answer that another day. It's probably not what you're thinking. But for today, I'm believing, I've been praying for a couple of things. The first is this. I want us to get a revelation regarding the posture and the demeanor of the gardener. The posture and the demeanor of the garden. God is not an angry God. He's not having a bad day. He's not out to get you. He's not waiting for you to make a mistake or to do something wrong so that he can come down hard on you like a chainsaw. The demeanor of God is that he is compassionate, he is gracious, he is slow to anger, and he is abounding in love. The picture of the gardener is one that is down and he is tying up the branches that are drooping. The ones that aren't healthy, he's cleaning them off, giving them every opportunity to be fruitful. Every opportunity. He is loving on them, he is nurturing. Other parts of the branch, he may prune it back a bit, yes, because he knows it's going to cause greater fruit. It's not savage, it's not negative, it's, it's a beautiful picture of great care and great intimacy. My prayer is that each of us has a revelation of this demeanor of God. I don't know if you're carrying an angry God picture, but he's not an angry God. This is a biblical picture of the God who loves, who cares, who is compassionate, going out of his way for each branch, that each branch will be fruitful. Secondly, I'm praying, I'm believing for this, a revelation that he is working to ensure that every branch, that's you, that's me, will flourish and be fruitful. That your life, no matter where you're at, no matter what your life looks like, that it can be that you can flourish, that your life can be fruitful. I actually think this. I think if we're cooperating with God, if we're cooperating with what he's doing in our lives and through our lives, it is harder for us to be unfruitful than it is to be fruitful. In fact, I think we need to make a special effort to be unfruitful than it is to be fruitful. Now, stuff happens We find ourselves in the middle of crises. We find ourselves in the middle of some tough things in life. But it doesn't mean that he's got angry or anything with us. And if we cooperate with him, if we cooperate with the journey, I'm not saying that God causes those things either, but if we cooperate with him through the journey, our lives will be fruitful. That's what the scripture says. Remain in me and you will be fruitful. In other words, cooperate with me. The question I'd have for that around us uh, for us around that is, are you cooperating with God? Are you, are you working with Him or are you fighting against Him with what He's trying to do in your life and in your world at present? Can I encourage you to work with Him, even if you don't understand it? Work with Him because He promises. And the Scriptures tell us that if we remain in Him, if we're cooperative with Him, if we keep doing it, we will be fruitful. We will be fruitful. So we have this angry picture, which is anything but helpful, because he is the loving gardener. Now, I think it's possible to take the picture too far. I'm going to delve into that just a little bit tonight. 
So I think that's an issue that millennials are struggling with at the moment. You can go too far. But this picture of the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God needs to be the picture that fuels our relationship with him. When you close your eyes, that's the picture that we need to be seeing. In fact, close your eyes for a moment right now. Imagine God. Imagine God. See, there's quite a few of us in this room who will be imagining an angry God right now. You'll be seeing an old, white-headed man sitting on a throne with a bit of a scowl on his face, just waiting to clip anyone who steps out of line. Psalms. Even the Old Testament said, no, no, God is compassionate, he is gracious, he is slow to anger, he is abounding in love. See, we're talking, we're thinking, we're picturing the God who sent his son to the cross so that our relationship with him would be reestablished. We are thinking right now about the God who paid everything so that the relationship that was broken with him could be reestablished and we could do life connected with him. There's nothing angry about that. There's nothing harsh about that. That is an incredible gift. That is a God who is incredibly compassionate toward us. That is a God who wants to journey with you and I through thick and through thin, whether we understand him clearly or not. It's an amazing gift. So I ask you again, when you think of God, what is the picture? What is his demeanor like in the picture? Don't even worry about the picture. What is his, his demeanor like toward you in the, in the picture? And are you working with or against what he's trying to do in your life at the moment? Am I working with it? Am I cooperating with what he wants to do in my world at present? Or am I fighting against him all the way? See, I think this morning is a great opportunity for us to embrace the picture of the gardener, which will mean repenting for some of us. That means if I've got the angry God picture, I need to repent of that. In other words, I need to turn from that and I need to embrace the gardener who's doing everything to ensure that we flourish. See, he wants, he wants it's in his best interest. He wants his vineyard to shine. He wants it to shine. His vineyard is the best vineyard. He wants the vineyard. Therefore, every branch needs to shine. Even, you know, the, the viticulturalists, they even, I was watching some videos, they just pop the leaves, leaves off around the fruit so that the sun, and depending on where the vineyard is, they'll pop the leaves off on different angles so that the sun, the, the fruit gets all the sun it can during the day because it makes richer and bigger fruit. It's a great picture of the gardener ensuring that we're connecting with his son as well. It's a great picture. If you're an angry God picture, how about we leave it here this morning? Leave it in this place. Don't take it out the door with you. Take the gardener out the door with you. But let's not take the angry God out the door with us. Can I ask you just to bow your heads for a moment?
Father, I know that you're speaking to us this morning and you'll be speaking to some more than others, but Lord, for all of us who have carried or carry an image of you, an understanding of you where the demeanour is completely wrong, where you are angry, where you're harsh. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and you would break that stronghold in people's thinking right now in Jesus' name. And where that has been, you would replace the image this morning of the gardener who cares, who is intimately involved, who loves, who is gentle, who is thorough, who is passionate about every branch in the vineyard. And so in a sense, Lord, we repent from the picture that's wrong and cast you in a poor light to the one that is biblical. And we embrace that picture this morning. And I ask that you would stamp that picture even on our imaginations as we start to imagine you, that we would see God the gardener today. And that any sense of fear we may have regarding you, that's unhealthy fear, would go in Jesus' name and we would experience, we would encounter something of the intimacy and of the grace and of the kindness and the mercy of who you are. In Jesus' name.